Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio, the freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. As always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves. And today, we're focusing on some incredible artists who are speaking at the All About Women Festival at the Opera House this weekend for International Women's Day. That's right. First up, we have Stanislava Pinchuk, a.k.a. Miso, a Ukrainian-born, Melbourne-based artist that maps areas of conflict around the world using traditional materials like textiles. Her work has been tattooed on the likes of Sam Smith and Cara Delvine. After that, we have Serena Masukor, a writer and fi- a writer and filmmaker living in Sydney whose work explores what it's like to live in the 21st century. She'll be talking to us about diversity in the arts and the meaning behind her work. And as always, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on International Women's Day? Do you think it's tokenistic? Mm. Are you counting down the days until International Men's Day? It's a real day. <laughs> it is a real day, November 19th. I'm counting down. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, join in the conversation. Text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat, your alternative to talk back. From scars to tapestries, t-shirts to tablecloths, Ukrainian-born artist Stanislava Pinchuk plays with the idea of textiles as radical and uses them in her art to send a powerful message about women and global conflicts. Hi there, Stanislava. Hey, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So as an artist, you've mapped nuclear zones and conflict areas in France, Japan and the Ukraine. What are you hoping to achieve with your work? Yeah, I guess for me, it's very much about maybe a different way of looking at conflict. And um, rather than the photojournalistic images, how can you convey the kind of what happens to landscape and how ground and uh, can kind of retain memory of political event and whole testament? Um so, yeah, I kind of make work that looks quite different and only reveals itself when you look very closely to it, and um, a lot through textiles, which I think is such a powerful medium to talk through. So uh, why are you drawn to mediums like lace-making, embroidery and textiles? Yeah, I guess I've always loved mediums that kind of historically belong to women, um, you know, and I think they are so often dismissed as being decorative or not real art mm. and craft and kind of vain, you know, or uh, beautiful or whatever, but uh, I think they're so they're so difficult to make. They're so physically painful. You go through so much tension and physical debilitation, and I think they hold so much tension in their like visual language, and also the fact that it is the medium that women have had available to them through you know time and history and place. Most commonly, you know, not expensive oil paints, not beautiful watercolors, not expensive blue pigment that's made from jewels. It's mm. needles and thread, you know. So, would you describe your work as a form of protest? Um, I think it's more. I really like asking the question than giving the answer, if that makes sense. And I think that's what artists are here on the planet to do. Um, so you were born and raised in the Ukraine. Have you been influenced by your family and your Ukrainian heritage? Yeah, I think a lot. I mean, both of sides of my family were lace makers, which I think is huge. And they were both beekeepers as well, which is um, also something that I do. Oh. Um, so you keep bees in Melbourne? Yeah, yeah. And I uh, I keep a bit in Paris as well. Um, yeah, and I help some friends out there. And I've got hives <laughs> in that. Melbourne. And yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I, Ukraine's a really huge, huge part of my life and um, has been a huge part of my research in the last seven years in the Civil War. Um, and it's so much about what I'm talking about at the Opera House uh, this weekend as well. Amazing. You're listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swatha and Shami. We've got a special episode for International Women's Day. And right now we're speaking to Stanislava Pinchuk, an artist that maps areas of conflict around the world to show how landscapes hold memories of political events. You're unveiling your new photographic work called The Red Carpet at the Opera House tomorrow for the All About Women Festival. What inspired this? Yeah, I mean, I think we Ukrainians like to carpet everything, for sure. But uh, a lot of it was about Ukraine and uh, data mapping the genesis of the war, which was in the Maidan, um, and kind of transposing the sort of town square of Kiev to the town square of Australia, which I really feel the Opera House to be. Um, and also it was so much about celebrating women's uh, women's work and what I was kind of saying before and kind of transposing it onto a site like the Opera House, which is such an epic piece of modernist male yeah. star architecture. <laughs> yeah. Kind of making, uh, and it's such a love, it's not an ironic work to the Opera House, it's a completely loving, reverential work to Jan Ertzen, the architect of the house. Um, but it's so much about, uh, you know, women's textiles and interiors uh, and physical labour that were the literal or metaphorical red carpet uh, to the existence of this epic, incredible star architecture, mm. and that they sort of belong in the same in the same sphere, you know. Oh, it's lovely. Um, your work has taken you around the world. Uh, you've already just mentioned a few cities, uh, and you've spent the last year, am I right, in Sarajevo? Yeah, yeah, I've been living in Sarajevo in the last year, and I'll probably return sort of after these few months in Australia. So, what kind of research have you been doing there? You know what? I just fell in love with the Bosnian. That's how it goes. But I actually, um, I've been writing a book about uh, tattooing and women and textiles and these sort of global histories. And uh, I've been making uh, a lot of research with uh, the sort of central Bosnian tattooing on women. So I actually did end up getting a massive research project there and um, just making a show for the National Museum on it when I go back. So speaking of that, how is your work translated into tattoos? Oh, it's just something that I've loved doing for 10 years. And, you know, I think tattooing to me is so female, like the history is so female and so many cultures. It's women tattooing other women in the community. And it's our way to practice pain before childbirth. It's why it's such a rite of passage before you get married, you know, or when you come of age. And um, and I think it's so, you know, so many motifs are so similar in so many cultures to the textile designs and needlework and jewellery. So I've always really loved that. And yeah, I've just loved tattooing my friends for 10 years in my studio. I've never been a shop tattooist. I've never taken a scent. I've never taken a public appointment. I just love doing drawings for my friends. Well, thank God we have your number. I know, right? <laughs> my book's something in. So it's International Women's Day tomorrow. So we wanted to ask you, who are the women who inspired you the most? Oh, I mean, you know, everyone from your friends to your biggest idols, right? Uh, you know, that's the kind of beauty of women in our networks and... You know, the, the girls that you can call at, you know, at three in the morning crying about your art career. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess I've always had a such a tremendous um, inspiration from, I think Yoko Ono is always a huge one for me. I mm. think as an artist, she gives so much of herself and then she's so emotional and then so kind of logical and minimalist and kind of hardcore and then 
yeah, so kind of rich in what she gives and um, I think she's been a huge one for me. So, so tomorrow is International Women's Day and you were mentioning just before the show how the atmosphere of International Women's Day is a bit different abroad. Is that right? Yeah, I think it feels like a more recent thing in Australia that I think has been March 8th has just been, you know, coming up in the kind of public events and programming. And Yeah, it feels like yeah. it just came about a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, March 8th. Okay. Be- yeah, growing up in Ukraine, it was always a huge day uh, when I was a kid. And uh, I- I'm living in Sarajevo, it's, I can't tell you, it's just the most active, alive day in the whole city through the whole year. You know, more than Bayram, more than Eid, more than any religious holiday or public holiday, the streets wow, are just insane. heaving. And it was so wonderful. And it, it kind of really actually brought me back to my childhood. And whereas I feel in Australia, it's a little bit newer, and but very kind of um, political. And, you know, it's such a great opportunity here to talk about the issues mm. that I think we really need to talk about. I, I, I would love to unpack all the cultural yeah, nuances I, I behind that, like, personally. in Europe, it's so much bigger than in Australia? Like, and a bigger celebration than Eid and, and mm. stuff like that. Is it a celebration that uh, encompasses all communities and classes and divisions? Yeah, and I think it's so beautiful in the street that everyone's just taking their women out. I have to tell you, I took my boyfriend... He was always talking about getting his ear pierced. So it, it, it was just kind of an accident. We went on um, Women's Day and I spent $8 and I kind of drew on his ear where it should go and the guy did it. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, every woman should spend about $8 on International Women's Day to make a man feel the pain that we have to feel. <laughs> I love that. $8, 8th of March. I feel like it all connects really well. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Stanislava. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. That was Miso, or aka known as, no, Stanislava Pinchuk, aka known as Miso. You can find her on Instagram. Her work is amazing. It's incredible. She's an artist who works um, on textiles and tattoos where they map nuclear zones and areas of conflict around the world. She'll be speaking at the Thread of War Talk at the All About Women Festival tomorrow on International Women's Day. And you can also join in the conversation. Let us know what you think about International Women's Day. I think it's a bit of a hot topic. And as we mentioned before, quite a new cultural phenomenon in Australia so you can text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at FBI. Don't move that dial because we'll be talking to another incredible artist who's presenting at the All About Women's Festival this weekend. That's right but we're going to be playing a throwback right now. You can hear it in the background. His feminist banger Lose My Breath by Destiny's Child. Stay tuned. The Australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses. Does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons? Or is the Australian taxpayer paying for those as well? Fact chat, your alternative to talk back. Diversity in the arts has become something of a buzzword, but artists like Serena Masukor are making it a reality and showing exactly what women are capable of in the arts industry. We have Serena here in the studio with us today to discuss her work as well as the importance of diversity in the arts across Sydney. Hi, Serena. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Before we delve into your work, how did you get involved with filmmaking? Um, I guess when I was a child, I was really into photography um, and I did a lot of photography. And then I studied experimental film um, at university uh, and I was sort of making stuff then 
Then I had a bit of a, a career detour, I guess, or I started writing a lot more criticism. Um, that was just something that came to me, and I so I said yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you always want to get paid for what you're doing. Um, and so I started writing about film and writing about contemporary art and moving image. Um, for I did that for quite a long time. Uh, and more in the past couple of years, I've gone back to making work myself. So that's exciting. I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you're documenting a new artist-run space in Parramatta. Um, can you tell us more about this initiative and how it's transforming the arts in Western Sydney? Uh, oh, I... Can I? <laughs> yeah, okay. So I'm making this documentary. There's this really great space that you guys should check out um, called Pari. It's in Parramatta. Um, it's an artist-run space. And uh, at the beginning of last year, um, I think it was, uh, I made a film for Diversity Arts Australia, which was about um, diversity in curating, because that's a space uh, where, while there are a lot of artists of colour in shows, um, the curators of those shows, particularly in large institutions, tend to be white. Um, and most of the big institutions in Australia, obviously, are led by majority white curators. Um, you know, Asian art uh, collections and stuff are all kind of run by white curators. So we were kind of looking at that and, and I um, interviewed some young uh, women of colour who, who are curating. Um, and out of that project, um, I started... Uh, documenting, making a longer work that was that started off by documenting um, Pari as they they were they got this cafe space and then they were turning it into a gallery. So I sort of started documenting it without really knowing where it was going. Um, and then more recently, then I, I I did this program in New York where I went and sort of talked about the film and thought about it a bit more. Um, and I've started to. Um, it started to morph kind of more into this kind of hybrid thing project that talks about um, how these kind of social projects, uh, whether or not they have kind of a broader impact on large institutions. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. It's a, it's a question at the <laughs> it's moment. It's a big question. Eh? <laughs> and it is a big question. Um, but I started to feel like, uh, all the stuff that they're doing there is is so great and there are other programs around Sydney that do really great stuff engaging with the community um, and really being part of their community and belonging to their communities. But the, the big institutions are still really separated from that. So there seems to be like um, a bit of a gap between those two and I guess I just want to interrogate whether they can crossover or how that works or whether it even matters if they do or not and you know maybe it's just the case that um, the bigger institutions are so kind of s stuck in their you know colonial roots or their their history that that we actually just need totally new institutions. Mm. So do you think projects like this can help promote diversity in the arts? Um Look, I think the, the kind of project that I'm doing um, is definitely one that is supposed to open up conversations. I think projects like Pari, artist-run spaces that sort of have um, an ethos behind them or an actively thinking about these questions can also help to, to bring the conversation out. And I guess it's just, I mean, I'm quite hopeful about those kind of things. I think it's like a matter of time and, and as more people... Um, come up talking about these conversations, then, then things will start to change. 
You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 with Swetha and Shami. We're doing a special show for International Women's Day, and right now we've got Serena Masukor, a writer and filmmaker, talking to us about diversity in the arts and her work to date. So at the start of the show, we've been asking people what they think of International Women's Day, which is on tomorrow, and we've got some texts in. Yeah, that's right. Look, it's a hot topic, hey. What do people think about International Women's Day? What do they think? Oh, let's, <laughs> let's go to the text. So we've got Swati from Newtown, and she says, this is interesting. She says, I've never been a fan of International Women's Day. I just don't feel like, oh, she goes, I just feel like it's quite white feminist. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, mm. that's interesting. I don't know if you want to... I I feel like sometimes, like, it's interesting, we're talking to Stanislava, she was saying that International Women's Day is this huge fanfare in Europe, but here it feels, I don't know, it feels quite a bit white feminist and a bit corporate to me here. Yeah, I mean, again, again, I guess it's just like sort of an institution about, or it's become a sort of institution about women and opportunity for people to post pictures of women (laughs) on their Instagrams, (laughs) which is actually, you know, great. Um, but definitely, oh, look, I mean, the questions about white feminism and inclusivity and feminism are so big and ones that I think about quite a lot but don't have any answers to. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I wish you did. <laughs> this would be breaking news. <laughs> so we have another text. Um, it's from Alia and Campbelldown, and she says, I've... She said I, that I she. Liked, I like International Women's Day. Yeah. At least it's a good step forward. Why hate something that helps elevate women? So, is there a way to balance this? I don't know. Dare I say, corporatization or Instagram fun-filled time with actual action? Um, look, totally. Like, I mean, I've been because we're about to do this this panel, and it's about you know representation and feminism. I've been thinking a lot about that that um, distance between representation and the people who are doing the representing. And I think maybe one way to kind of um, hijack or use the idea of International Women's Day is to really promote, you know, if you are a woman of colour, promote women of colour, talk about them. It's an opportunity to to have a think about, you know, who inspires you. Um, I don't know how much that helps, but I think it helps a little bit. Because it's also about visibility. Hmm. So Diversity Arts Australia released their Shifting the Balance report last year. And they found that half of the organisations they surveyed had no culturally diverse representation amongst their board members, award panels and executives. You're nodding. (laughs) You read it. You feel it. Do you think we need more (laughs) diversity in creative leadership positions? I think the answer is pretty clear. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely. Because the thing is, we have this question at the moment about representation and, and people are constantly talking about what we see and how you can't become something that you can't see mm. but the thing about representation particularly on screen and I guess I'm talking about screen because that's um, where I work um, is that if the people behind the scenes and the people in the positions of power like producers directors studio executives you know development managers are women women of color um, people with disability then the representation will naturally change. Yeah. You know, if a woman of colour writes a story, they're probably not going to write a story that is just only about white men. So so it's not just about the artists and the performers. Uh, we regularly see mostly white and middle-class people attending Sydney Writers' Festival, for example. So how do we engage young people from diverse backgrounds? Look, in some ways, it's like about bringing the thing to them. I mean, if you think about the Sydney Writers Festival, I mean, it's not like unless you've sort of 
grown up in that world, it's not very welcoming. Mm. Um, it, it's look. I don't know. It comes again back to that question of of how can institutions change, or do they actually need to be broken and maybe new institutions put in their place? Mm, break down the institutions. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> so it's International Women's Day tomorrow, and I can't wait to see the Instagram story you put up, sorry. <laughs> but we've been asking, you know, who are the women that have inspired you the most? Who have you looked up to? How they inspired you in your work today? I'd love to hear from you. At the moment, I have two um, really strong inspirations, um, two filmmakers, Joanna Hogg and Angela Shanilak. Um They're both women who sort of directed their first films um, a, a bit later, not not when they were super young. And last year they both made two really amazing um, films. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're real inspirations for me. Oh, that's wonderful. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Thanks so much. That was... Sydney writer and filmmaker Serena Masukor talking to us about diversity in the arts and her work to date. She's also speaking at the All About Women Festival. Today, she's appearing on the panel called All About Women in Film. Later today. It's Later today. today. It so is today. if the tickets haven't been sold out, you can go out and buy them. You can. Go and buy them. Go and buy them. <laughs> it's at the Sydney Opera House. So, guys, that's all we have time for the show today. Now, the big thanks to our producers, Natalie Sekolovska, Eden Faithful, and Pip Leeson. And thanks again to our guests, Stanislava Pinchuk, a.k.a. Miso, and Serena Masukor. We'll catch you next week. But before we do, we're going to play a little song by a little sim. <laughs> okay, it is a little song. This is my banger of the week, guys. I hope you all you enjoy it. every week. Yeah, I know, because I, I just want to play the songs that I love. Yeah, okay. Fine. Okay? There's sure. a lot of love in this. This that's is... Fair. Oh, such a banger by Little Sims. It's called Venom. Have a great Saturday, guys. Catch you all next week.